Empire of the Suns. Empire of the Suns. Wet like on book. Wet like on book. Wet like on book. Arizona Sports presents the Empire of the Suns podcast. Empire of the Suns. Hello there, and welcome to the Empire of the Suns podcast. My name is Kellen Olson, joined as always by Kevin Zimmerman. Hello, Kevin. What's happening? We didn't expect to do this so soon. Oh, it's because we're not supposed to be doing it right now, but uh, (laughs) reporting happened that shouldn't have happened. So for those of you out of the loop, I'm jealous, (laughs) first of all. (laughs) We'll recap the day. Basically, we learned... Small tidbits about Chris Paul's future, but ultimately we're in the same position we were a couple weeks ago when we talked about this before. So if you've been, if you're a listener, loyal listener every week, this is going to be a lot of rehashing, but there was a noteworthy news cycle involving Chris Paul today uh, around 2.15 today. We're recording this, by the way, at 8.11 on Wednesday night. So in case there are more developments tonight or tomorrow morning. That is the age of this podcast. Uh, Around 2.15 this afternoon, local time, uh, Bleacher Report's Chris Haynes, who most notably will report quite a lot of stuff from Damian Lillard and Chris Paul's camps specifically, reported that Paul was told that he would be waived. Now, when you and I are in the newsroom together, we are often in a uh, situation we talk about on the pod a bit where we have to have news judgment kind of decide what we want to do with this. And... The verbiage, of course, is very strange, as it always is. We talked about this a couple episodes ago. We're not going to rehash that conversation as much. But you were the one who was like, I think we should wait on this for a bit. Your spidey sense was tingling on it. And ultimately, we went with it about a half an hour, 45 minutes later. I think we made the right decision. But I do think that we were right also in kind of waiting initially to be like, all right, is anyone else going to follow up on this and see what's going on? Uh, and then sure enough, Sham Sharania, about an hour and a half after the Haynes report went live, uh, completely repurposed the framing, essentially, of what's going on and said that the Suns are exploring multiple options with Chris Paul. That includes potentially waving him, potentially stretching and waving him, and potentially trading him. So not only has he not been told he's been waived, he is not getting waived right now. And the, again, your spidey sense tingling, like, why are they waving him on June 7th? <laughs> it's just like, it didn't, it didn't make sense. Uh, And then Adrian Wojnarowski reports later on that the Suns and Chris Paul have had consistent conversations or have had multiple conversations uh, ever since the offseason, really, about what his future is going to be and that there are multiple avenues that they can go through. We've been talking about this for weeks already. And then I was able to get it confirmed directly from the team that Chris Paul has not been waived at this time. And then other team sources were able to let me know that we're able to confirm essentially what Woj and Shams were reporting, which is that yes, they're exploring multiple avenues. They've been discussed with Chris and that's where we're at right now. So again, for those of you scoring at home, we are talking about something that we have previously talked about and discussed because we knew this was going on. Like a part of Woj's story or Shams' story, I can't remember which one included like they're exploring trades for DeAndre Ayton. Like, yeah, they are. <laughs> yes. Not, I guess it's news to like flat out say something like that. But in my opinion, Kevin, the, the biggest nugget to come out of this or the low nugget, to be honest, was that um, Woj reported that Chris Paul does want to stay here. 
but he wants to know if he's going to be a free agent sooner rather than later so he can kind of get ahead of it in terms of free agency and kind of looking at his potential options in his camp, kind of exploring what the best choices are for him. Because if Chris Paul becomes a free agent, Kevin, a lot of people are going to want him. How did you dissect this news? Because you left the newsroom about an hour after our story went live, so you weren't around for Shams and Woj for context here, full context. You went home and started packing because you're going on vacation tomorrow. Uh, quite a quite a time for you to uh, pack it up and leave. I'm jealous. Sir. I'm not jealous of you, but I'm I'm jealous uh, if you would have been able to do it a day earlier. You know, if you would have packed up yesterday and then left before this absolute bleep storm. Uh, what'd you think? Yeah, I mean, I assume it. The Haynes report was like a text message from someone saying they want to wave me, um, and. My my whole takeaway from this is they're definitely not going to pay him $30 million. Um, a lot of people could have guessed that. I wasn't so sure because, again, waving him, um, you get nothing. He's still a good player. Yeah, it's expensive. If you trade DA, then it becomes a lot easier to accept that. Um, but that that's a big if, and you kind of have to do this before that, although the draft could answer some questions, but also the draft existing before that deadline also makes today's news weird that it came out, and that's why I was skeptical. Not only that, but Haynes kind of reported the Suns wanted to keep him um, like a few weeks ago or something. So I, that's why my spidey senses were off. Again, Woj and Shams weren't on it and took a long time to kind of grasp what was happening. Um, so I, yeah, again, I think it's just, they don't want to pay him that much. I think they really would want to keep him and try to bring him back because in theory, he's making 15.8 million. If they cut him and try to resign him without stretching him. Um, and plus that vets minimum, which for him, for being that, um, age probably is a decent amount. Like it's obviously going to be like 5 million, maybe I'm, I'm just guessing. Cause I don't know. It's based on how old you are and stuff, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I, it, it made no sense that they're just like, today's the day we're doing it. So lots to kind of gather. Um, they have to start gathering information. Also, by the way, Frank Vogel and Matt Ishbia, like, didn't put away that he wouldn't be traded or released um, at Frank's presser and on, on radio with uh, Wolf and Luke with us. Um, but yeah, it, it just didn't make sense based on what they said. Cause obviously it's glowing remarks. And I, I guess if we want to look forward the draft and kind of consider like, yeah, if you can trade DA, maybe things are more palatable to keep Chris Paul, even if they do wave him and try to resign him. Um, but also the stretching obviously is going to have to be under consideration because that opens up, um, all, but maybe 3 million of that. And then they can start sniffing the non-taxpayer mid-level, which is significantly more money than the, um, taxpayer mid-level exception, um, where you're going to get a good player and that kind of thing. Yeah. So next week we can more discuss, like we were saying after our episode earlier this week or yesterday, in fact, on just like a mock off season, which I don't, I don't even know if I'm going to do that series anymore. It's like, now I feel like we're on, we're like the ice is crumbling as we're slowly walking across it. You know, <laughs> I don't want to put, put 3000 words into a 5,500 word project and then have it broke break that he gets 
wave. So we'll, we'll see how that goes for me on the content end. But in terms of the podcast, I think next week more so we'll talk about which in depth, which options are better or which options are worse. But to quickly rehash, since this episode is going to be listened to way more for these details specifically, as opposed to when we talked about this a couple weeks ago, like I, I was joking, but not really joking when I tweeted that I could just change the timestamp on my uh, post from two weeks ago when I ran through a lot of these details already. But for those of you not in the loop, the Suns can waive Chris Paul. They have to waive him before June 28th to have only $15 million get paid to him and on their cap books. If they do that, they will go from not having access to the taxpayer mid-level exception to having it. That is a resource that the league allocates to teams so that even if they're over the cap, they can still sign players outside of the veterans minimum. So in the past, you could be $120 million over the, over the salary cap and still be able to use that. But now the new CBA this summer is going to trigger it from everything we're being told and all the reporting and everything we're hearing is that that is going, that part, the second apron is going to trigger this summer and the Suns are currently over the second apron if they sit there and do nothing. So the benefit of that would be able to sign a player around five for uh, around $5 million a year. And then you could in theory, bring back Chris Paul on a veterans minimum. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. Option two, you can stretch and wave him. Now I think this one is, is on a basis, just more appealing. Now Chris Paul couldn't return, but you would be going from the taxpayer mid-level exception, which is around $5 million to the full non-taxpayer mid-level exception, which is over $12 million. So that's near, that's over twice as much money. You could add a starter with that money for sure, without a doubt. Now with the other, you'd have to get pretty lucky to get a starter for $5 million a year. But on top of that, you get the biannual exception, which is just slightly less than the non uh, than the taxpayer mid-level exception, which is a $4.5 million deal according to Bobby Marks's numbers. So you'd have those two to utilize in free agency. You wouldn't be able to bring back Chris Paul, but the example I used in my column is, let's say you stretch and wave him, you use those two spots, and then you trade DeAndre Ayton for two players and a pick. And I'll use a, a, a less appealing example here, but let's say it's to Charlotte for Terry Rozier, Cody Martin, and their 39th overall pick. All of a sudden you've got five players for two. And I know that like the 39th pick is like, is a, is a dart thrower or whatever, but you'd be getting five players for two. And like, that's the kind of example that they're working with in that kind of scenario. Uh, but then option three, Kevin, is you trade him. And that's why I wanted to ask you about like, do you even think he gets traded at this point? It kind of seems like that's uh, that's off the table now with this so much talk now about how he could get waived. I assume that that's kind of how it came out because that doesn't seem realistic. And that's why it never seemed realistic to me. Like, I just don't think a team would like, what do you send back? Because salaries have to match. You'd have to send a pretty hefty salary the other way. (sighs) Like I, his injury history is just so weird because he can be so good in Spurs and he's so important for the things we don't see on the stat sheet. And, but that said, like, this is why it's coming out. Cause I don't think that contract's tradable. Um, if there was some team that you can give me where there's 30 million, like between two players um, that they just want to dump and then open up 15 million um, where the math would work and they want to go after some huge free agent, maybe, but I I just don't know a team off the top of my head that's in that position where they would want to take on a contract, still pay 15 million just to open 15 more million up. Like it just, 
Yeah, it makes I'm, it makes sense for teams that are looking for a change of scenery. So to spoil the mock offseason a little bit, because again, I'm not sure if I'm doing it. I was just trying to formulate trades that minorly made sense for both teams that also were generous in terms of how likely it would be. So for example, I'm not trying to get like Kyle Kuzma from Washington for DeAndre. Like they're, they're not doing that. Right. But um, something like uh, what I proposed, like some examples here were the Clippers, they could give up one of um, one of Eric or not Eric Gordon. I'm sorry. One of Nick Batum or Norman Powell. And then the other player could be Covington or, or Gordon. So like one more salary filler guy, one actual legitimate rotation player in there. Philly was another one I had down. It was Shaman and Paul for Tobias Harris. Um, the Timeline podcast guys talked about that on their podcast and emphatically hated it. But I don't hate the idea um, that we can talk more about next week. Those were two examples of just two teams where they could use the shakeup with the big salaries that they have, and it would actually be a benefit to them. Paul's contract is completely non-guaranteed for the year after next. So you would be paying him $30 million, the full 30 next year but then after that you could just get them off the books so if you have some longer term salaries as well that you want to get off of the books there could be other teams with three to four year deals that it could be interesting to get rid of him so i think there are reasons for teams to want to trade for him but with that being said if you see all this noise uh coming in i think the number one read on it kevin from front offices will be yours which is oh like they're probably not getting a lot of bids or if we're talking to the Suns and like talking about potentially trading for him it sounds like we're either alone or one of the few teams that's actually getting some serious traction in our talks. And if they don't have any traction anywhere, they're just going to wave this guy anyway. Now is the part I wrote about my column, Kevin. um, And I tried not to take any liberties in, in what I wrote, but essentially there could be a situation in place where Chris Paul is getting waived. And it's already kind of a foregone conclusion and part of the plan for the Suns and Chris that he's just going to come back and like, look, we're giving you this 15 million already pretty much from the contract two years ago. We'll give you the veterans minimum, but essentially you're actually making 18 or 19 million, even though like your salary for this year will be three or 4 million or whatever. That is uh, our Australian correspondent, David of the four point play newsletter. He wrote about this when Chris signed his contract. So shout out to him for this, this possibility even being on the table two years later is an incredible call and bit of um, analysis from him, but also the fact that it's very well, what could wind up happening but uh, Kevin, you had me listen to the Pivot podcast that uh, Chris was on yesterday, and there was actually some useful stuff in there for me to use that I did use in the column at the end. He brought up an example of how when he got traded from Houston to Oklahoma City, Daryl Morey literally called him the week before and said, do you want to go to OKC? And Chris was like, well, not not really at this stage of my career, to be honest. And then Daryl was like, OK, you wanted to come to Houston, so we appreciate that. And to do good by you, we won't trade you to OKC. Then they traded him to OKC a week later. (laughs) And Chris basically said, and Chris provided the example of how Daryl was calling him to inform him. And then he saw it pop up on an app notification that he'd been traded. So like he didn't even have his GM, not only did his GM break his word, but his GM failed to be the one to tell him that he was, he was getting traded in that situation. And the quote that he had was like, basically along the lines of like, no one else is going to look out for you except for yourself. Like that's the interpretation that I took from it at least in his quote was somewhat similar along those lines. I'm butchering it right now, in ter- right now in terms of thinking of what exactly he said, but like everyone it's a business and everyone has their own agenda at the end of the day. And I think that it would be a insane amount of loyalty for him to become a free agent and not, at, not at least hear from other teams 
not at least let the free agency series play out for him, especially if he's going to go for the veterans minimum, like for him to not hear out the Lakers, to not hear out the Pelicans, to not hear out the Bucks, Celtics, Sixers. Like there are a ton of elite teams. Cause again, if he's going for the veterans minimum, he could go to any team. And I don't know if you can sit here and say that the Suns are the best chance he has to join, to win his first ever NBA title with going into next season when you're picking from literally every other team. Like I wrote about some of these fits, Kevin, like, you talk about Milwaukee playing in a backcourt with Drew and then the defense they'd be able to play around him there and what he'd be able to do on ball screens with Giannis or Lopez, like you kidding me? And then looking at Boston, looking at New Orleans, looking at some even less alluring options. But to me, um, that that is the most interesting part that I think we could arrive at, Kevin, is if he gets um, waived or not stretched and waived, but just waived so they can open up the tax pyramid level exception, what does he do? And you'll remember that we were at this point two years ago. They decline. He declines his player option, but then he ultimately signs with the Suns for a four-year, $120 million deal that had $75 million guaranteed. The Suns are not offering him $75 million guaranteed anymore. Kevin, they're offering him like $3 million or 3.5. And that's not to mention everyone that teams like the Lakers could position themselves to give him like 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. Like some teams could offer him the full MLE. Um, in that position, or even more money uh, in for agency. So um, that's the part that I, uh, I took away from this, Kevin. I, I chose to be fascinated by what if he becomes a free agent, because that is pretty um, intriguing to think about. Yeah, and it's definitely the way, and, and you mentioned, David, kind of foreshadowed this years ago when he signed this contract. I'm sure he saw that too, because the the extra year that's guaranteed, that's $30 million in 24, 25, um, that actually makes stretching his contract five years instead of what three. So that actually cuts out several million. And that's probably the only reason that exists, right? Because if it's absolutely non-guaranteed, that really does help making that stretch out longer because the rule is um, two times the years remaining plus one year. So I'm, I'm saying that because, he probably saw this as a possibility or thought it might be. Um, and now that it's a reality, plus what he said um, on exit interviews where he's just talking about, like, I love basketball. I, I realize I got to try new things. I, I'm not the same player. He didn't say it in those words, but he basically said, like, I, yeah, I'm going to play off the ball more. I'm going to have to spot shoot more. Um, I think he's very aware and I think he saw, he probably saw that contract structure and knew that this was a possibility. And I'm saying that to say he's probably going to do two priorities when he chooses a team. And that's again, like he came to Phoenix apparently because that was close to his family in LA. That's still really important to him. I'm sure. Um, and then title chances um, to, honestly, play with book, like, to play with book. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so I think now those things are still there and that's why like the sun's still possibly having him on their roster. There's still a chance of that. And I think that's super, when you're talking about like where he lands, that's super interesting because like how many times in the NBA do you get cut and re-signed? Like that happens a lot in what football for like practice squad level guys even some vets, I guess, um, like especially with injuries, they get cut midseason. They sign one year deal again. They roll it back, and it's not like a big thing. But I, I tell me if there's a guy who can 
Hall of Famer, still playing at a really high level even, that this has happened to in the NBA. I can't think of it. No, me neither. Uh, I looked it up, that Chris Paul quote from the podcast. It was that nobody knows owes you anything in the league. That's what he was saying. And he's spot on uh, with that. And then it's funny you mentioned media day because uh, – or exit interview, sorry. One of the things that he hit on that he again said on the Pivot podcast, and I thought he said it a bit uh, better on the podcast, so I included that version of the quote, is that like he, he, based, he said – some people might be better at me at things, but nobody knows this game better than I do. Like no one, like and his reasoning was like, I care too much about basketball. I love it so much at every single level. I've got my AAU programs. I've got all this stuff, the lower levels and then up to the NBA itself, where when I wake up, my kids know that I'm watching film. I'm thinking strategy, all this kind of stuff. Like it's a 24 seven thing for him to be this obsessed with the game, to know it the way that he does. So if he's going to sit here and, the Suns are going to be like, all right, Chris, we're going to waive you, but we're your best chance at the title. So you should come back. And that's where he can be like, you're telling me, Chris Paul, the outcome on the basketball court, you're going to tell me what's going to happen there or what my best chances are on that court. It's like, no, he knows better than anyone, not only for himself, just because he is himself, but also just like he could tell that to if Grant Williams calls him and tells if Grant Williams has to call one person in the league, like, Hey, where are these four? I got these four offers. Which one should I take? He should ask Chris Paul. It's like the one guy he should ask in the league. That's one person I would ask if I was in a similar position, to be honest. So I I put all of that in uh, the column at the, at the tail end, just because I think if anything from this whole day, what it portrays and shows is that it's just a really delicate situation. And the way that I compared it is, if like you've got the house of cards, the stack of cards set up, like a light breeze is coming. Like the the, the stack of cards is going to fall over at some point. It's just a matter of the plans you have in place for when it does, because you cannot thread a needle in that kind of way during an NBA offseason. Too much has to go right. There are too many varying factors out of your control. And and this is just one example where part of their plan is to wave Chris, but to bring him back, it's like, that's just like how can you 100% rely on him to come back knowing that you're going to make him a free agent and knowing that he, he can hear from other teams. And if he's going to come to your team for the veterans minimum, that means your offer in money is equal to everything else. And the only thing that would be helping you is how close you are in LA to his family. Then again, there's a team that's closer to LA that's literally in LA <laughs> that has LeBron James and Anthony Davis on it. That is also, if not one of the, is the most storied franchise in the history of the game that he would be ending his career with. So there are factors at play anything else jump out to you from the day i don't know what else happened no uh i i didn't see game three at all what happened Jokic oh just dominated. now oh yeah I, christian I brown christian brown game really yeah i mean i i also was like packing and like half watching but there was a stretch in that third quarter where he was just pump faking dribbling dumping to Jokic. Scoring end ones, um, yeah, that's that's tough on the Heat when that guy kind of, let's see, 15 points, yeah, seven of eight shooting, tough. Jokic became the first player ever to have 30-20-10 in a finals yeah. game, I think I saw. He Best player good. in the world, that guy. Hey, yeah. Christian Brown making us look smart. We brought him up last episode when we were talking about like second-round picks and guys who you pick in the late 20s, early 30s pretty much like the late the mid to late the mid 20s to like the early 40s you can still get a rotation player year one if you get the right there's always like two or three a year who are instantly rotation players and 
He's one of them. Look at that. How about that? You could maybe get the best player in the world in that range too. Maybe. Sometimes. <laughs> it happens. It has happened before. Uh, you excited for vacation? Yeah. I think I need it. Yeah, I'm there. My my brain cells are gone, are gone after today, so you can tell I'm trying to tell myself I won't do this mock offseason thing. We'll see. We'll at least uh, explore some avenues and some possibilities next week, but yeah, today was a day, bud. Today was a day. All right. Uh, we'll be back next week. Like we said, we'll dive more into all of the potential outcomes because two weeks after that, uh, two weeks from tomorrow is the NBA draft when if you're not familiar, if you're more of a casual NBA fan, trade season pretty much officially picks up the day of the draft or the day before the draft. And then we kind of see more trade activity throughout the coming days leading up to free agency because teams want to position themselves a certain way financially uh, heading into free agency. But a lot, of, a lot of that gets done during the draft. If you weren't around for 2019, uh, they traded TJ Warren earlier in that day, I believe. And then they traded back and then picked Cam Johnson. So that was a lot of stuff uh going on there you know who i would not want to be right now who chris paul's cell phone how many texts do you think he has from players and execs across the league right now checking in being like oh hey because it's kind of like the deandre Ayton thing from the finals where or not from the finals but from this postseason where the conversation we'd been having in the valley about him for years finally came to the surface it's like i I don't know how many people around the league were aware that this was a a lot of people were shocked when haynes's report came out and they were like just absolutely stunned, and I was like, "Where, where were you guys?" <laughs> I'm sure a, a ton of people are blowing up his phone right now. Notably, Mikel Bridges, who's going to continue to annoy him probably. If anyone wants this news to break quickly, it's Chris. So Mikel can probably just leave him alone. You know. Well, there's no tampering in this league at all, so I'm sure uh, it's only uh, players or whatever. Oh yeah, yeah, tampering, of course. Yeah, allegedly, 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 <laughs> allegedly, right. All right, everyone, we'll be back next week. Uh, Tweet at Kevin and wish him a happy vacation if you're listening at this point. Goodbye.